We're actually going to break from our uh, brand new, or I should say our uh, regular format for a few minutes because uh, we have a special guest. Uh, we have special guests in our studio um, here at JM and AM on this Monday morning when uh, Derek Saker, who's here today, he's considered a special guest. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, Nakam. When he told me that somebody would be here from OHEL to speak about uh, the topic of uh, foster care and encouraging parents out there to consider opening their homes, uh, and we'll find out just what the need is in a few minutes, um, I didn't realize at that time that he would bring along a representative of the Schickman family, a family that is legendary when it comes to foster care. Oh, you got to turn that back the way it was. There you go. Yeah, I got it. Right. Good. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and Svi Schickman is here this morning, and we say good morning at JM in the AM. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. The uh, last time you were in this building... A long, long time ago. Based on, <laughs> based on our investigation quickly a few minutes before we started... It seems over 10 years ago. I guessed about three, four years ago. No, one well, well more than that. <laughs> it was over 10 years ago. The Schickman family at that time, your parents specifically, were honored by OHEL. And um, we had, what would it have been, five of their children in the studio? Five, six? Yeah, you had me, uh, Tammy, Dawn, Panina, Leah. So, yeah, wow. five of us were, Unbelievable. were crammed on. Right, right here. Right here at that table. Nothing, right? I remember this table. with these two people here. It was <laughs> well, complain may be the wrong word, but uh, I'm sure it was exciting as I remembered having them here. And explain to our audience why the Schickmans, your parents, are in fact so heroic. All the foster parents are heroic. We know that, and you can expound on that. But tell us specifically why they get special commendation. They uh, they did something that uh, I always wanted as a kid. Uh, they, the really just long story, really really short. They took in all of us and reunited a family that was literally split apart. And at the end of the day, they they took us all in under one roof. How many and of you were there uh, that were split apart? There were four of us that were split apart. Uh, the the girls went one way. Uh, mm-hmm. I went my own way initially, and then they found out I was a twin. So that benefited me. And they put Panina and I together. And then Dawn and Tammy went to their first and only Jewish foster home, which was actually the Schickmans. And then Panina and I went through another series of homes. And then a number of years later, the Schickmans uh, took us in. Uh, They pretty much even before that kind of took us in. One of the things that uh, I did do was uh, I was actually called them, even from day one, even before I lived there, I actually called them mom and dad. I, I actually never referred to them as Bernie or uh, Bernie and Elaine, like I did in my in my other foster parents, because hey. you know it's just something that I always felt they they earned that. Svi Schickman is here, so explain to our audience how old you and your sister were. It's a twin sister, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When this was going on, when all this you know traveling around, so to speak, and then finally you know landing at the Schickman home happened. Oh Lord, uh, we started. I'll say our travelings. Through foster care, we actually didn't know we were Jewish until we were probably around seven or eight years old. So prior to that, we were with actually the non-Jewish foster care agencies, right. and then found out that we were Jewish. Then moved over to Ohel, um, and then uh, you know I remember being intru- I remember being introduced to a yarmulke. I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> I didn't know what it was. So I used it as a frisbee. <laughs> I didn't know. So how old were you when you? became a permanent resident in the Schickman home? Uh, officially, officially, 11. 
I was about 11, 11, somewhere between 11 and 12. So those three years, as difficult as the first eight years were, those three were more difficult, different? What would you say? Um, I would say they were, they were different. Uh, I wouldn't, in some cases, they were more difficult uh, than others, uh, depending on which home I was in and, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, and the sisters who are with the Schickmans are older or younger than you? Actually, one is younger and one is older. All right. And was there a, a longing for them? Was there a longing on your part to be with the entire sibling group? Definitely. 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 And, uh, and, and under normal circumstances, that cannot be facilitated. Generally, it's very difficult. I remember sitting in the car one summer. My Bernie and Elaine had take, they took us in for the summer uh, just to go to Camp Avenet and a bunch of other camps. And they so the four of you together. With four of us were together, and I, I'll never forget that summer. And I remember sitting in the back of the car, uh, and I and I say to her, I refer to her as my mother just all right. the time. And Elaine, I remember taking me for a pair of Shabbos shoes, and she asked me in the car, and uh, uh, I was literally sitting in the back seat in the middle, looking at her through the mirror. Uh, and she said, you know, if you could have anything that you want in the world, what would it be? Anything you want. And I sat and I, I thought about it for a second. She was I referring to, she wanted like a toy, right. or, you know, a piece of clothing, right. something, I don't know. And I just looked at her dead straight. I remember our eyes looking at each other from the backseat to the rearview mirror. And I said to her, anything in the world? She said, yeah. I said, to be reunited under one roof. That's all I want. I with, don't want anything With else. your three siblings. With my siblings. That's it. And she adjusted the mirror. Like that, I shouldn't see that she literally she was actually crying, and uh, I I uh, I never forgot that. And she, all the years later, I'll never forget the the next phone call. All those years later in Camp Aguda, where I was, uh, I got a phone call from Camp Aguda with the social worker on the phone, and then Bernie Lane on the other line saying, "Remember a number of years ago, I asked you that very question," and I said yes, and she said, "Well, you're coming home." And that was, I'll say, the beginning of the end. The next day, there was a car service there, and it was like, you know, that was it. Were you celebrating? Oh, man. I, I can't even begin to tell you. I, I really, I can't even begin to tell you. Celebrating is an understatement. Tzvi Shikman is here. So when you hear of cases, Jewish or not, where siblings are separated, you're one of the few people who understand what that child is going through. Um, yep. Definitely. And it's... I mean, I guess painful would be, I used the word longing earlier, but that's on one side of the issue. I guess the other side would be painful, would be sure. an empty feeling. Yeah, uh, it's the unknown. It's the unknown. You don't know what's going to be. At the end of the day, you have no clue what's going to be. And as hard as that is, you have two options. You either make it the best that you can for what it is at that moment, or you could choose to go down the other road of which is not the good road. At right. the end of the day. And if this is happening at the age of 11, meaning if that's when that's how old you are when the four of you are reunited, is this the first time since when that you were together under one roof? Since what age that you were together under one roof? Since we were separated. Which so was, that was around, around five. So five, five years old. Years, when five, you were five years, years old. Yeah. Yeah, five, six years, something like that. And it, like I said, I was actually initially separated from my actual sisters. It was just me alone. Right. And then when we found out we were twins. So they put you together. They put the two twins together. They had Rachmanis. Uh, I guess. <laughs> actually, I heard a rumor that uh, it's, it's illegal to separate twins. So uh, if that's true, <laughs> right. well, thank you, Hashem. Right. For making that <laughs> yeah, rule. Yeah, at least make that rule or the fact <laughs> that you made me a twin. And then, um, you know, Panina and I stayed together from that point forward, even in, in the non-Jewish foster homes. And then Tammy and Dawn stayed together, right. even in their non-Jewish foster homes. Uh, and then when we were transferred over to Ohel. So, uh, so you're in high school, 
and you're sitting around in the living room Friday night, you know, and everyone's schmoozing. And in addition to the three siblings you have, the Schickmans have how many other children? So they have two of their own, right. Gary and uh, Lisa. Right. Uh, We've spoken to Gary, I think, on the air, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe it was may, Lisa. But maybe, I know we spoke maybe it was Lisa. And the Schickmans, uh, you know, they, they have also... You know, opened up their home to right. anyone and everyone. We had a we referred to it as a revolving door. Right. So you're, you're you're Friday night sitting and schmoozing with everybody in the family. Does the topic of mom and dad? What were you thinking before all this ever come up? Were you ever presented with the with the with the line of thinking that went into your parents uh, doing all this? No, it was just to them. It was natural. It just that's just what needed to get done. It's just something that they felt and. They went after it, and uh, and it's possible that if not for this sibling relationship, they would have had two foster children, and 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 that would have been it, so to speak. Yeah. Once they found out about this situation, it became obvious what your wish was, et cetera, et cetera. They worked to get everybody together. Yeah. And then thereafter, they they took in another uh, girl, right. if you will, her another uh, Le- Le- her name was Leia. Not related to you. Not related to us. Till now. Right. Till she's still living with us to this day. Right. She's my, I treat her no differently. She is my sister. Right. And uh, I yell, kick, and scream at her as any uh, was, as anybody else. I was going to say <laughs> yeah. she gets the benefits and consequences of that. Right? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, vice versa. She yells, kicks, and screams just like anything else. So it was. You know, I, again, the the relationship. And I remember, you know, when Leia came for that one job is. She had no clue uh, that we were actually foster children. She just thought uh, when she was there for that one Shabbos, she, she just was joining thought a family. That she was just, not even joining a family. She was just there for Shabbos because right. at that time her foster family had gone away, and Ohel put her with us for Shabbos. And then um, shortly thereafter, when she, I remember her actually saying to me, she, we were, I don't know, we were talking about life, and she's like, you, you, you don't even know what I'm going through, and I'm like, try me. <laughs> you, you know, think and, I don't know and then she was like, no. So she started saying, she goes, you know, I'm a foster child and this and that, and I'm like. Ah, little newsflash. <laughs> you see all these kids? She's like, yeah. I'm like, we're in the same boat. She's like, no way. I'm like, do I look like him? You know, I was like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> look at my parents. Like, yes, we call him mom and dad. She's like, she didn't get it. And thereafter, she, we, you know, we put two and two together. And How old were you when she moved in? Um, I was about... 13 or 14. Oh, this is a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is early on. Yeah, early on. So I begged my mom for another boy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Mom, right, I'm like, please. <laughs> I'm like, can I get a boy? I'm like, we can actually choose. We have you know, connections. <laughs> There's a system. Can I, <laughs> can I get a boy? Because Gary, like, deserted me. He went off to college and this and that. And it's just me, my dad, and... A whole lot of girls, and I'm just like, please, get me a boy. Uh, Tzvi Schickman is here. Uh, he, nobody can... Uh, uh, can talk about foster care like he and his siblings can, um, and uh, the the amazing praise that your parents get is well deserved, as you've pointed out many times, and we 100%. have as well. It was great having them here and speaking to them on the air, and when they were honored at the OHEL dinner, it's hard to believe it was so long ago. Derek Sakers here. Derek, of course, is director of communications at OHEL, and you have included the Schickmans. On the ohelfamily.org page that is dedicated to foster care. And for those who think that they're the only foster care story, there are many others. Correct, Eric? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, just to be clear, I mean, uh, since 1969, which is nearly 48 years, um, Ohul has uh, taken care of over 2,500 foster children. Um, and... Um, the, we've just launched a very significant c- campaign 
to try and recruit foster foster parents. Um, and in fact, we've taken a line from Elaine Schickman herself yeah. um, in terms of this campaign, which reads, "If there's room in your heart, there's space in your house." And uh, you know, El- Elaine and Bernie would be the f- would be the first to admit that even though we're we're obviously showing our Karasatov and we're, they were phenomenal foster parents, um, uh, the fact is that. Um, uh, they weren't superhuman. They were just, you know, incredible people who had obviously a big heart and opened up their home to children with, with foster care. And in large part, the campaign that we're running at the moment um, actually addresses many of the myths associated within foster care. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being uh, is that very often people feel um, that you have to be superhuman to be a foster parent. Um, and that's just not the case. If we look at all our different foster parents uh, from different walks of life, uh, of different ages. And they different are, in fact, not superhuman. <laughs> they, are, they, are certainly, they are certainly exceptional individuals. Yeah, that they are. Uh, they just seem superhuman to people like me, that's all. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they are, they are just people that, uh, that took up the mantle of responsibility in the community and, uh, and uh, opened up their homes. You know, it's funny. Our introduction to OHEL, and you could ask people like uh, Mel Zachter and Mike Zakheim at that time, um, started because of an emergency. Because they, they called us and said, we got to get more foster parents. This is, it seems to me like it's sort of peaks and valleys. Are there times when there are enough foster parents and, and times when it's a I desperate situation? You, I can tell you this, that over the last, at least the last two, three years, we've had a definitive increase in the number of foster children coming into over. So the need is much greater. The need is much greater twofold. The need is much greater actually threefold. First of all, there's just a general increase in foster children coming through the doors. Second of all, there's an increase of foster children with special needs and there's an increase of children that are teenagers. Mm. You know, uh, it's re-epitomizes, I guess, the... Um, um, the significant challenge, particularly in our community, where very often, of course, when uh, there is abuse or neglect in a home, uh, we're not talking about a home where there's only one child. There's one, two, three, or four, five children. Right. And so <coughs> as, as challenge, challenging as it is to uh, place a child in a foster home, um, very often there's two or three or four children. Um, and um, and uh, obviously we'd like to keep the, fa- the children mm-hmm. together. So that in itself is a, is a, is a, is a significant challenge. But one of, the, uh, one of the additional challenges here, particularly to be honest in New York City, where, we, where obviously we provide foster care, is that there is a false sense of security by numbers. In other words, I think by and large many people in the community are aware that there are Jewish children who need foster care. Mm-hmm. But I think that for many people they understand it as like, you know, never. You know, someone else will step forward. Mm-hmm. You know, with such a large community, someone else will take responsibility. Someone else will find the space in their home, um, and and then very few people actually step forward. Uh, I remember we did a major campaign actually a few years ago, um, and it was a national campaign, and we got calls from Chicago and Los Angeles and Baltimore, whatever. But very few calls actually from New York City, which is you know the only area that we actually operate uh, as a licensed foster care provider. Um, and uh, this this was part and parcel of the challenge that here in New York, because it is such a large community, that very often people just feel that someone else will will um, take the responsibility yeah. and uh, and help a, a child in need. Outside of the finances, what do 
prospective foster parents need to know? What do they know, need to know about the process, how difficult it is, how, how vetted they will become? What do they need to know? So I think the most important thing to know is that, you know, when, when people think about becoming foster parents, it's not an overnight decision. In other words, it's not like you call OHIL, you have to, you know, you're thinking about should I call, should I not call? It's a, it's a right, long... Right, the next day they'll be delivering exactly. somebody. Exactly, next right. day, you know, we're going <laughs> to arrive with a child and that's it, you know, with a... You they'll know, be delivering a, me. With a satchel <laughs> and some food, a voucher for the yeshiva and off we go. Um, it, is a, it is a methodical process. It's a process of training over six to eight weeks where basically the prospective foster parents and OHIL determine whether they are the right types of people for this. So it's a mutual decision um, that's arrived at. Um, and so the um, all we, so at least in terms uh, initially um, the uh, the idea is just to get people interested um, and to inquire about the possibility of foster parenting and then themselves to take that step um, in embarking on a on a training program. But it's not an overnight uh, obviously yeah. it's not an overnight decision. But we provide a, of course a whole gamut of support and services. You mentioned the financial uh, obviously through through our fundraising efforts we pay towards uh, right. uh, yeshiva tuition. We pay yeah. towards camp. We have many children actually at uh, Camp Cayley. But I guess um, that's the easy part when you think about it in terms yes. of training, you know. Yes, that that's something that's there and can be worked Correct. out. But what I'm, but certainly, you know, the day after, as it were, when when foster parent, when a child is uh, uh, um, put in the home of foster parents, there's 24/7 support. Right. There's support by our social worker. That there's is medical support. True. There's uh, you felt it. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. One of the things that OHL did, I remember as 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 a kid was the support you know not only from the foster parent side the social workers always came i remember you know one time i got into a spat with uh, actually it was bernie and <laughs> i know shocker and um i was like on, you know he said something that i didn't like and i got on the phone and mean i know l hell's number eight five one sixty three hundred. you know i know that number hard i had it in speed dial like, calls for kids <laughs> i called him up and i was like do you know what he just said to me and it was like well you, did you deserve it and it was like what you're defending him or me like what the you know but oh hell always made sure that we had they don't just support the parents which is also important they also supported us and i felt that from uh from the the point of they even though we lived in separate foster homes at the time i i i remember they 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 would put us together for shabbosim mm. and whatever the cab cost i remember tavor i think that that was the cab company in wow, the park sure. whatever it is tavor car service <laughs> they would um they would pick us up and they would just whether we take us out to the Shipmans in in Patchogue when they lived in Patchogue, Long Island at the time, and I, I made Bernie and Elaine write down the route of exactly how they should go to make sure that the car service is going the right way to make sure that we'd end up there. They would they would pay for that. I, I mean, I, I, there and back. Every little detail. You know, oh, I was very very, you know, very committed to making sure that we had the constant communication, not just physically seeing right. each other but always I, also I calling. can tell you all you know I mean all our social workers and, and our care providers are extremely dedicated but particularly within foster care where obviously the needs are, yeah. are, are immense and very sensitive and very very sensitive exactly um, b- best place to start I guess is on that special page people can get a good uh, orientation yes if they go to ohelfamily.org slash room in your heart um, it's a ohelfamily.org slash room in your heart 
it, uh, the the the, uh, the details of the page, as I said uh, initially, are essentially there to uh, provide uh, to debunk many of the myths associated right. with foster care. And I've mentioned too another very important one is that very often people believe that they can make minimal impact. Right. People understand that these children, correctly so, they don't come from you know, uh, loving uh, normal homes or whatever. But uh, the, the impact they can make is transformative, and people lose sight because very often you know people assume you know everybody comes from a loving, stable, structured home, but these children do not. And so even you know a, a, a limited period as it were where they provided love and care is really transformative in, in, in their world whether they're in foster care for you know one day or 18 years um, you really can make a, you know a profound impact on the on the child sure uh, Derek Saker is here Tzvi Shikman is here Tzvi's been a foster child since he's five years old uh, can we still say foster child yeah even at this yeah, stage whatever, yeah. um, getting along with siblings who are not foster children in your family a major issue or something that the parents really control? No, not at all. Um, it doesn't become a... Uh, no, because Bernie and Elaine also took in, besides took in us, they, <clears throat> over the years there, after we, quote-unquote, were all settled in... A little older? Uh, and I didn't really so much so a little bit older. You know, they, a little bit within a few years. Right. I mean, you know, after Leia joined the family, uh, even thereafter, they took in, oh, man, I, I, I don't know how many... How many? Uh, a lot. Uh, Around... Hundred, uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> no, 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 but seriously, 100. around no, pro- probably. Uh, How many 10, kids have gone through? Oh, the ten went through the house. At least, uh, at least uh, something like that. But we, some we, of whom you'd remember at this point. Oh yeah, I would remember every single one of them. I, I, absolutely, yeah. And some of which, uh, you know, I myself have a little bit of contact with still. Uh, Were any of them boys? Yes. <laughs> Finally, huh? Yeah, we got some boys. They were younger, but uh, yes. Right. But, uh, but, you yeah. know, uh, uh, nothing, your question is very relevant because, again, this also addresses one of the myths within foster care is that people who are maybe are interested... They wonder what it'll do to the family they, dynamic. Exactly. They very often are sen- they very often are concerned of the negative impact right. on their own family. And, you know, w- we basically point to the record of our foster families that have taken in these children over the years. And in every case, certainly that we're aware of, with these foster families... Um, the foster families, the biological children, have been only enriched. Right. They've been only enriched by the experience. Right. And, you know, I, I understand and we're obviously sensitive to the concern that some people have in the sense of, you know, you know wh- why bring in individuals uh, which may be... Um, come from broken homes or uh, homes of abuse or neglect and you know we want to shield them and so forth but the argument that's made by these foster families uh, is that uh, this is the experiences of life and we live uh, in a perfectly imperfect world and um, their argument is that the sooner as it were that their children are exposed um, in in a structured way to some of the challenges beyond their own Mm -hmm. experience they grow from the experience and they are enriched by the experience and they are strengthened by the experience at an early age um, and I, you know, again, we, I can understand the sensitivity, but at the same time, this is such as life. And oh, I believe all that. I just assume the first few days are difficult. I would assume there's a sure. a period of adjustment sure. that has to be accounted for with the new kids. Or yeah. just, eh, in general, listen, that's that's like anything else in life. Right. But it's it's what you make of it at right. the end of the day. One of our one of our videos we have actually is with Mira. Uh, Reinstein Mintz actually, and she was a she was a bi- she's a biological daughter to uh, Paul and, and late Killer Reinstein, 
and she actually lives in Israel right now. And um, the video is basically extremely powerful, and she talks about the whole experience. And as you say, uh, correctly so. Initially, it was a challenge. Right. You know, suddenly the you know new a new child in the home and uh, seemed rather invasive. But um, she elaborates, you know, very powerfully as to whole the whole experience. Um, made her appreciate the value of her own family and her own upbringing. Ohelfamily.org slash room in your heart. And this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 and the FM Dial Broadcasting Live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org and of course on the NSN app. Derek Sakers here, Director of Communications at Ohel Tzvi Schickman, one of the legendary members of the Schickman family known for their incredible foster care. Uh, he is here as well. And there is, again, a uh, shortage of foster parents in our community. You're encouraged to go to that website, ohelfamily.org, slash room in your heart, and consider and investigate becoming foster parents. There is a need, a great need, at this time. By the way, do we exclude New Jersey residents? Is this only New York residents we're speaking really, to? Yes, correct. At the moment, yes. we are addressing New York residents, which I assume is... All five boroughs or even New York State? Correct. All Which five one? boroughs. Just the five boroughs in New York. All right. So that would be the, the only caveat we'd have to um, we'd have to mention at this point. Uh, Tzvi Shikman, I don't know how personal I can get on the air, but I'll ask you nonetheless. You're married at this point, right? Yep. Was How many years? Uh, ten years. Just Is, was there ever a point where someone said to your fiancé, you're dating <laughs> or ready to marry a foster child? Uh, no, no, it did not. Nothing no, like that. No, she, she, <laughs> uh, I, that was. Uh, I, she actually knew me for quite a number of years. Her name is Lee Moore, and she uh, knew me for quite a number of years uh, through high school and whatnot. And we had a lot of mutual friends, and there was not even a. And that was that. That was yeah. That was pretty much <laughs> match made in heaven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have your own children? And, uh, yes, I have uh, actually uh, my daughter. I mean, um, Kayla. She is uh, three and a half years old, and my wife is uh, expecting uh, wow. identical twins. Wow! Yeah, that's, that's what I said. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, the the, the uh, question, of course, that I'm sure is going through everybody's mind out there, would you consider ever becoming a foster parent? 100%. I you would? 100%. Would your I, siblings say the same thing? Yeah. I, I think in time, uh, when they're ready, right. at the right is, time, at right. the right time. But yes, actually, that, that was one of the very questions. I, I kid you not, you can actually ask my wife this. When we started to date, I literally said to her, "I have a few questions that I need to ask you." And mm. and they weren't what kind of tablecloth you use? Huh? No, <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> a but, little bit more important. But in all important seriousness, are, yeah. one of the questions was, and I seriously said this to her, um, and I don't expect an answer right now. I said right. to her. Was would you would you be op- would you be willing to open your home to foster children with Ohel? And she didn't even hesitate. She said one hundred percent. And then she kind of threw the other question at me: was would I be willing to open up my home to her sibling? Right. And she has a she has a mentally and physically handicapped brother. Wow. Uh, that uh, you know eventually you know right. somewhere down the line we may end up. And I said to her, uh, "There's nothing to talk about." Of course I would. So it was. That was in the sense, like you said, that match made in heaven, that I would open up my, certainly my heart, if you will, to her brother, and vice versa, she'd open up her heart, if you will, to, and, and you know, m- my daughter, I'm sure, you know, she's surrounded by a million and one different kids and whatever it is, and she, she's just, you know, she, she'll take on anything. She'll just roll with the punches. Unbelievable. It's not a question. Life is funny, huh? Yeah. yeah and, and more on the personal side, is there, is there a need or a desire to know more about your quote-unquote real parents, 
Um, I wouldn't use the word need. Uh, curiosity might be that one, but I, I actually am aware of my, my biological mom. Uh, I have met her. I have seen her. Uh, don't really have much to do with her. Uh, my and if I asked this question to the four siblings, would I get different answers? They have actually, they only, the only one time that they had seen her uh, was uh, at my grandfather's unfortunate uh, funeral. Um, that was it. <clears throat> and I remember the interaction actually between my mother, and I say my mother as an Elaine Schickman, mm-hmm. not, not Ariella, um, and Ariella. And I was actually a little, little nervous uh, when they had gone up to each other. And I was like, in my head, I was like, what, what's going to happen? What is going to happen here? Because that was, you can't set that up. There's no, you know. And I remember Ariella actually thanking my mother saying uh you know thank you for re- for raising my kids wow and wow our, my mother responded, you heard the line i heard the line and my mother's response was elaine's response was um no thank you for giving me these wonderful kids and she said you you don't even know what you missed i think that's uh, you know, three you know deep love for uh, elaine and bernie who are his parents sure. speaks speaks to um the issue of the um the maximist um, influence that a foster parent can make on a child. No, no question um, about it. And um, yeah, yeah. One of the things I, I knew as a kid growing up, you know, sometimes people ask me, why didn't I call them Bernie and Elaine? Right. And I, as opposed to mom and dad, I said, we're taught from a young age to call your prospective parents mom or dad, Ima or Abba. I said, in my case, that was earned. That right to be called mom and dad. Was a, was a privilege. Bernie and Elaine had definitely earned that right, 100%. And they deserve that. And certainly I gave them that honor, right. and as well as my siblings. We and that is what a mom and dad is. They, to do what they did at the end of the day, that's... Yeah. We actually have one of the videos on the on the pages, Journey to New Beginnings, and part of that is an interview with uh, by a mother, biological mother, whose children were placed in foster care. And she talks about how, obviously, in the initial days, the gut-wrenching experience of her children being taken away, but how, over time, she realized it was the, uh, the best thing for her children, and yeah. how many, many years later her children were actually returned to her. Um, and um, she thanks those foster, foster parents who uh, provided the love and care that she could not provide at that stage in her life. Unbelievable. And goes without saying, uh, your parents walked you down at your wedding. Yes, my parents most certainly did. Yes, thank God. Oh, unbelievable. Tzvi Schickman, we always uh, enjoy welcoming uh, any member of the Schickman family to JM and the AM. It's an amazing story and so inspiring, so incredible. And hopefully, as Derek Saker and I sit here, we are hoping that the story that Tzvi Schickman has shared with us and has reiterated to this audience will uh, encourage people out there to look into becoming foster parents. Get to the website, ohelfamily.org slash... Room in your heart. ohelfamily.org slash room in your heart. Videos and other information there uh, might just influence you to pick up that phone and make that initial call. And in fact, uh, Nakam, I was just thinking, you know, your children are getting older, you're becoming an empty nester. Maybe uh, maybe you want to volunteer. Well, do empty nesters do that? Uh, <laughs> Why not? We, we have many different room types in your of house. foster parents. And empty Who nesters, wants a parent as old as me? Empty, oh, not at all. Uh, age is but a number. Many of our foster, many of our foster parents, parents are say, empty nesters. Age is but a number. <laughs> I mean, we have to do the necessary checks, and you'd have to go to the yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I'm sure that would be a long <laughs> process. <laughs> um, well, Derek Saker and I hope that the uh, conversation this morning will encourage uh, people out there to, in fact, look into becoming foster parents. 
If you're a New York resident, go to the uh, OHEL website, ohelfamily.org slash room in your heart, and uh, consider picking up the phone and being in touch with OHEL. As you heard earlier, there's a tremendous need now, and uh, over the years there's been tremendous needs that this audience has gone ahead and uh, and helped fill. So do what you can. Meanwhile, we thank Derek Saker, Director of Communications at OHEL. Thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. Thank you very much, Nachman, for having us. And Svi Schickman, you have an obligation to send best regards to your parents and to all your siblings. Like I said, your story is amazing. I could speak to you all day on this show, frankly. (laughs) Anytime, anytime. Svi Schickman, uh, representing the uh, incredible uh, group of uh, foster children who have benefited from the wonderful work of OHEL. It is a Monday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.